Hi, I'm Pat Basu, President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. On today's episode, we're gonna dive into integrative care, an incredibly important aspect in the battle against cancer. My special guest today is Carolyn Lammersfeld, a registered dietitian and a certified specialist in oncology nutrition who leads integrative cancer care at CTCA. Carolyn, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me today, Pat. I'm excited to be here. Well, as I said before, I, this, this is such an important topic in all of healthcare, but I would argue that it's it's probably, there's no other disease uh, where integrative cancer uh, is, is, is as important as it is in cancer care. Let's just start uh, at the very top here. Explain to us, what is integrative care? If you think about being treated for cancer, you want as many tools in the toolbox as possible. So integrative care is traditional cancer care, chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, immunotherapy, and then adding supportive care services to those that can be helpful for managing side effects, maintaining or improving quality of life, and helping people make lifestyle modifications for the future. Uh, ideally under one roof and in a highly collaborative setting where everyone is communicating for the benefit of patients and to keep them safe. Uh, fantastic. And and it's it's such an important concept that I think intrinsically most people understand, uh, but so often in American healthcare doesn't get delivered. Uh, that, that comprehensive, meaning complete, and that uh, sort of coordinated uh, level of care that that as I said before is is a part of almost every medical disease. I mean, as a doctor, you want this in in diabetes, you want this in in cardiac care, but in cancer, where I often say it's as much of a disease of the body as it is a disease of the mind and 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 you know the, the spirit. This is particularly important. Um, so so I think your your definition really captures you know, the addressing of all of that, but all of it in a coordinated fashion. And and you mentioned the word side effect and side effect management. What, what do you mean by that? So, so, so what we do, um, or what, ideally what you want is you want medical management of your side effects, right? So many, many things can be done there. Um, but in addition to that, you, you have services available. You know, you mentioned e emotional support. So behavioral health, naturopathic support, nutrition support, spiritual support, um, pain management, oncology rehabilitation, all of those individuals who have experience working with people with cancer, they're documenting in the same medical record as a patient's oncology, oncologist and oncology care team. And so it's very, very collaborative, high amount of communication um, to make sure individuals are using things that can potentially be helpful for what they're experiencing and also not interact with any of their traditional cancer treatments from a safety standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's there can sometimes be a misconception in, in healthcare and in integrative cancer and cancer that this is not a, uh, we should be clear for, you know, this is not a replacement to, uh, you know, a, a necessary surgery or a chemotherapy or, uh, you know, an MRI or an image guided, you know, therapy that, that might be required radiation oncology in that category. This is a part, as you said before, and probably worth consistently repeating an entire package of 
therapy that wraps around the patient that is helping uh, the patient. So it's not there to replace that radiation oncology treatment. It's there to help manage the side effects that may come from it, help manage uh, a patient's ability to endure that, help ensure that through nutritional support that a patient is strong enough to endure their chemotherapy. So these things are are not, uh, you know, ors. They're not uh, substitutes for their ends. They are, uh, you know, adjunctive to each other. Can can you kind of say more about that piece? Because I think that is one of the, the misconceptions that I sometimes hear from patients. Absolutely. And it's an important clarification. And, and there are um, alternative medicine options out there. And this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about integrating some of these supportive care services with traditional cancer treatment. So you want the individuals providing your supportive care to know exactly what your cancer treatment plan is. So they know what might what you might experience, what you might be experiencing, what might be helpful and what's safe. But we're absolutely not talking about using any of these, you know, diet, for example, uh, any kind of diet or other approach um, to manage cancer, to treat cancer in lieu of traditional cancer treatment. It is a supportive role um, and done in a collaborative setting where everyone is communicating and know where they can help um, from the evidence standpoint of what will what may help and not cause harm. And, and in many cases, some of our naturopathic support team are actually um, educating and counseling people and taking them off of things that they may be using that don't have any evidence of benefit for their type of cancer or their type of treatment or may not be safe. Um, you know, herbs and other dietary supplements have the potential to interact with cancer treatments and make them less effective, which you wouldn't want, or potentially increase side effects, which is we're talking about, you know, managing um, and, and, you know, again, potentially cause harm. So um, it's really having all those individuals work collaboratively, um, but definitely not a replacement for traditional cancer care. No, I think that's so well said, Carolyn. And, and you bring up such an important point that uh, in our everyday lives are the medications we take, the diet that we ingest, even the, the, uh, the metabolic rate due to our exercise or other things can have such an impact on uh, how a medication gets processed and how it gets, um, you know, uh, the effect that it has in the body is influenced by so many other factors and having an expert such as yourself who is there ensuring that those um, those interactions are, are being managed. We talk so much as physicians about drug-drug interactions, but there are drug-diet interactions, there are drug, um, you know, lifestyle habit interactions that, that are so important that you're managing. And in addition, you know, one of the um, the tough things about uh, cancer is that sometimes the the therapy is just so so hard, right? And and it's about continuing that fight. There's a patient who one time it was phenomenal. He said to me, he said, "Doctor Basu, you know, it was a fight between me and the cancer, and my goal was to fight harder until the cancer gave up, and the cancer gave up." But in implicit in and what he said to me, and it stuck with me, is that there is a there is a duration of this fight where, you know, in his case, he had to put up with the loss of weight and the loss of strength. Um, he had to put up with side effects like pain and nausea for, you know, for for some amount of time. And and so much of why integrative care can be important is is you're helping the patient cope with those side effects so that they can continue their fight. Um, can, you, can you kind of expound on that? 
Sure. I, and I think some people come in knowing that about cancer treatment and many come in maybe not understanding um, or maybe not completely expecting the degree um, of, for example, sometimes pain, fatigue, nutritional issues, malnutrition that they, they may be at risk for or they may, may experience. And so having that team of individuals that can com continually be assessing for that, um, the whole team assessing for that and getting individuals in to see those services and learn about those modalities um, sooner rather than later so that hopefully um, you're not losing a large amount of weight which can delay treatment in, or interrupt treatment. And there are some, some smaller studies we look to out there. Um, there are some studies where individuals, women who had uh, surgery for breast cancer uh, were exposed to uh, psychologist-led groups. That was the experiment and then the control group did not have that usual care. And the individuals that, have that had that support that helped them with a number of different behaviors that where they could participate in their, their care and have some control, those individuals actually had improvements in their quality of life. Um, and interestingly had less ER visits, hospitalizations, and 11 years later follow-up actually had lower risk of recurrence and lower risk of death from cancer. And then there are some newer studies that have actually looked at symptom managed monitor monitoring, symptom managed monitoring where individuals were, uh, one group was monitored, one group received usual care, and the group that had their symptoms monitored and interventions at times when needed, not surprisingly did better too, as far as quality of life and some of those other things we look look like, like uh, ability to continue cancer treatment to control their cancer. That, that's really powerful. You, you know, you and I always approach cancer through uh, certainly a couple of lenses. The first lens always being that, that human element, that mother standard of care, that per individual. You absolutely hit on one of the things that makes this so powerful to me is that there is overwhelming evidence, data-driven, statistically significant evidence that doing this leads to better outcomes. Everything we're talking about here leads to greater survival, adding more years to life, greater quality of life, adding more you know, life to years, as I like to say. And it's overwhelming. I mean, in our practice, Carolyn, I, I often say that one of the reasons I'm proud of the outcomes that, that we have in terms of um, survival is very much driven by the fact that we pay such close attention to symptom management. So um, I'm, I'm really glad that you mentioned that. And, and you also mentioned this idea that, that patients come at this with a differing level of expectation of what, to, what their, their treatment is going to entail. And so when, even if they know that there might be weight loss or hair loss or these side effects, just having that support structure, having the expertise to help them and, and sometimes their support to, to help them is, is so, so critical. So um, that is why it's important to not just offer you know, pain management and, and nutritional support, which is, which is core to what you do, but also individual counseling, uh, treating sexual side effects, offering spiritual support. Um, that's a big part of the comprehensive integrative care as well, correct? Absolutely. Um, and it can help with many of the things we're talking about, pain, fatigue. Um, there's a component of that even in managing nutritional challenges during treatment. Sometimes being distressed or anxious or depressed can affect your ability to eat. Um, some of that behavioral health, those providers can help with different technique, techniques, whether it be relaxation, guided imagery, meditation, hypnosis, to help 
um, help with that, help distract from pain. Um, and again, group support. I mentioned the studies where you know, it helped individuals have better outcomes. Um, the other thing is many of these things are available for caregivers too, because we know when somebody has cancer, it affects the whole family. Um, you, and you talked about relationships. So these providers um, can do traditional talk therapy counseling in, in addition to some of the other modalities I mentioned that can be helpful um, for managing side effects. Yeah, and and you know, in in oncology care, we both know that you know. The, I always said that the bedrock of cancer care therapy is is catch it early, treat it early, and treat it comprehensively. And sadly, one of the the reasons that patients don't continue to treat something comprehensively is because they, you know, they 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 stop the the, the therapy due to side effects and and again I keep making this parallel that it's it's super important in cancer but it's it's relative to a whole bunch of other diseases you know I know in 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 diabetes and cardiac you know one of the ba the main reasons of failure of treatment is patients don't adhere to their their treatment regimen um, and that's you know taking a handful of pills a day this is in cancer care a just a, a a brutal myriad of of therapies sometimes that a patient has to run the gauntlet on and and it's it's just asking so much for patients to do that that offering the support just dramatically increases the the um, likelihood that they will continue treatment as opposed to delaying it interrupting it or stopping it so um you know talk about that uh that that capability and and to extend you know that you can any any evidence or outcomes that you have to show that 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 patients delay their treatment less or interrupt their treatment less or stop their treatment less because of what what you and the team do. Yeah, I mean, you know, the studies I mentioned with uh, psychology-led support, I mean, that showed it helped people stay on treatment, uh, symptom monitoring and interventions when needed, help people stay on, on treatment. Um, there's this concept, um, you're, I think you're, you're, you're alluding to it, um, you know, called patient activation. And the more the care team, you know, really everybody on the care team, but specifically behavioral health providers can help individuals um, participate in their care um, and, and deal with uh, distress, um, pain, you know, anything that may be impacting their ability to be compliant to if it's an oral medication or be able to come in and have the, the recommended amount of, of cancer treatment at the right time. Um, having all those resources uh, is in incredibly important. And the reason, you know, as you said, the research is there. There are practice guidelines now that are coming out from organizations like the Society for Integrative Oncology that have been adapted, adopted by the American Society of Clinical Oncology that really show um, how these services, if you will, and these modalities can help individuals with those side effects or symptoms that may impede their ability to continue care. Fantastic. And, uh, you know, on, on previous episodes of, of the show, uh, Carolyn, I've, I've spoken to doctors about important uh, topics that you know, I think are, are to be brought to light for, you know, for patients and, and caregivers, caregivers and other listeners. What I love to do is just kind of drill down into a kind of a specific example, because I think probably as people have heard you talk, they think, well, yeah, that, I, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. But let's, let's really explore kind of how this works. So, so let's say a patient develops malnutrition while they're on chemotherapy, or they develop chronic nausea, walk through kind of the, the, patient experience or, you know, exactly how, how, how does this work for, 
for a patient who might be experiencing one of those side effects. Yeah, yeah, that's a great example. And you know, malnutrition, you may not think of it think of it as being something where you need an interdisciplinary approach or an integrative approach, but it's a really good example where again having more tools in the toolbox is better. So the obvious things again in addition to medical management, so there are times when the the supportive care team is collaborating with the oncology care team, you know, um, even sometimes suggesting a, a medication, if you will, if other things aren't working or you're helping individuals be compliant with medications. But so with my nutrition background, I'll start there. The, you know, there are things that can be done to help people modify maybe foods they're taking in, modify meal schedules. Sometimes it's actually adding a oral nutritional supplement or liquid nutritional su supplement. Many times it's easier to drink nutrients or drink your nutrition um, at various times during the journey. Um, it could be adding other supplements. I think you, you mentioned treating nutrient deficiencies. So there may be supplements, um, ginger products. So ginger tea, uh, ginger ale that actually has ginger in it. Many of the things on the shelves do not, but there are some where just an ounce can give a, an amount of ginger that can be helpful. And then in addition to that, oncology rehabilitation. So having um, physical therapists, for example, help make sure individuals are exercising um, in a way they can, given their situation, to maintain muscle mass, um, even occupational therapy. So individuals can do their daily activities of life, like prepare food. Um, and then you layer on, I think I mentioned earlier, behavioral health to deal with any um, anxiety, distress, depression that's impacting e eating or distraction techniques for nausea, pain, uh, and then naturopathic support. So there may be other natural products that can be added that can help with uh, what we call nutrition impact symptoms or symptoms that are making it difficult to eat and potentially even address some of the underlying metabolic changes that can happen from cancer and cancer treatments. Um, so that's that's an example, you know, and I said behavioral health, but it could just as easily be spiritual support. So some individuals would prefer to maybe have some of that support from, a, you know, a chaplain. So uh, that's an example of really where everyone on that supportive care team we mentioned um, is important for managing nutritional issues and specifically malnutrition during treatment. Well, that's a great, that's a great example, Carolyn. And, and not only are they all working on the same problem for the patient, but unlike so many other aspects of the American healthcare system where maybe it's, you know, a provider, you know, seeing a patient in the vacuum, these members of the team are not only working directly with the patient, they're also staying in close coordination with each other, right? Right. Absolutely. Many times working, you know, in the same general area, sharing, um, consultation rooms, if you will. Um, there are often huddles, rounds, you know, where the team is, again, talking about patient patient care together um, and understanding, you know, what's happening and suggesting where they might be helpful or where someone else um, might be helpful um, that isn't present at that moment. And the fact that everybody's working in close proximity, documenting the same medical records so that information would be there, but more real time, you could share, you know, some concerns, what was discussed. It also um, can prevent somebody having to you know, somebody having to answer the same questions, right? You know, that person that was in here just asked me the same questions. And so being able to relay some of that saves, saves some time repeating uh, questions for individuals. Well, Carolyn, I think that's just such a, uh, you know, a great walkthrough and example on, on an incredibly common uh, issue or side effect that patients deal with in the, in the nutritional realm or in the, in the um, nausea and vomiting realm. 
Another one that is just incredibly uh, common in cancer patients, uh, a study by the National Cancer Institute shows that maybe uh, up to 50% of patients deal with pain as a major side effect and up to 80% with advanced stage cancer. So, you know, pain is certainly one of those areas that um, is, it can be debilitating for patients. It can be a, a reason why they stop or, or interrupt their treatment. Uh, you know, oftentimes there's, uh, it can be metastatic disease. It can be, um, you know, mass effect. It can be just other, uh, sometimes harder to diagnose sources of pain. And so, you know, there's a variety of, of medical techniques that we use uh, to, to try and, and address a patient's pain. Uh, in addition to that, tell us, uh, you know, how the integrative care approach works to handling a cancer patient's uh, symptoms of pain. Sure. So, yeah, in addition to the, the medical management, which you mentioned, and many times we will get um, consults or referrals from that team. Um, so, as you can imagine, oncology rehabilitation would be very much involved with somebody with pain. So, you may have a physical therapist working on range of motion exercises, um, an occupational therapist helping individuals be able to do their activities of daily living, shower, prepare food, go to work. Um, speech therapy, um, if there's pain with swallowing. So there might be texture modifications um, for food. And then of course, uh, the, the nutritionist or dietitian can help with that as well. And then swallowing exercises that can help um, behavioral health. We talked a little bit about that. So there's, um, you know, in addition to counseling and talk therapy about um, how distressing pain can be, um, there also are some uh, some modalities like relaxation training, guided imagery, meditation, hypnosis, um, a number of techniques that can be taught that individuals can do on their own um, that has been shown to help distract, at least distract from pain um, in combination with um, some of the other therapies and medical management. So those are a couple examples of you know how pain might be addressed. And again, spirit, you know, there's spiritual pain. So individuals may want to talk with the spiritual care team um, about those types of issues, um, you know, whatever they may be, some of those questions we have when when we have pain and we're um, dealing with a serious illness. Absolutely. I mean, the, the very definition of a symptom that, uh, you know, all of us as, as human beings, uh, you know, acknowledge and, and look to, uh, to seek relief from, but uh, as I mentioned before, is is such a common uh, occurrence in, in cancer patients, but such a powerful uh, integrative therapy that, that you and the team help lead. Uh, so, so I think we, we've talked about a, a really common example in, in the nutritional arena, in the pain arena. Uh, just, you know, th there's, there's a couple more that I, that I think are very common. Sadly, uh, emotional and, and, and behavioral conditions are, are very, very common uh, during um, the course of treating cancer. And you know, studies show that uh, at least a third of patients experience, experience some emotional or, or behavioral distress. Just personally speaking, my personal opinion is that it's probably way higher than that. Um, in, in talking to, to patients, I think it's, it's, it's almost ubiquitous that patients struggle with some uh, behavioral uh, challenge during this time. And, and integrative care is a very powerful therapy for that. Let's kind of transition to, you know, we've talked a lot about the active therapy, uh, but one of the bright spots in, in cancer care, something that I know we're very proud of, is 
is survivorship. The idea that we have more cancer survivors today than any other point in human history. Uh, I, I certainly believe it's due to the advances in cancer care, including integrative care, as 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 the effect on survivorship is um, is more positive. The better we get at treating it, we have you know now up to you know 17 million, 18 million survivors in the United States, and. Integrative care is not just useful in the active disease of cancer, but also in the in the survivorship phase. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yes. Uh, in fact, survivorship care plans have uh, lifestyle modification um, included in them. And so that can include diet, exercise, smoking cessation. Um, so, for example, and I mentioned you know, these services, one of the benefits is helping people with lifestyle modification for the future survivorship, um, which can be started during treatment. Um, and so diet is an important component of that. Um, Obesity is one of the risk factors for cancer, cancer recurrence um, that many people are not aware of. Um, next to smoking, it is the leading modifiable risk factor for 13 cancers. Um, and there's some projections that by 2030, it may overtake tobacco as a risk factor. So um, working with diet and exercise, um, if people have extra extra body weight, helping them lose that. Um, and, and the diet recommendations for all cancer survivors can help with that. So moving towards more of a plant-based diet with less meat, less processed foods, refined foods, sugars, um, and maybe smaller portions for individuals who have extra weight. Um, exercise, uh, you know, the current recommendations are 150 to 300 minutes of moderate activity per week. Um, it, it could be 75 to 150 if you're, you know, vigorously exercising. Um, and many people don't reach those targets, so helping individuals find a plan in survivorship where they can move um, that, that amount um, smoking cessation, um, being careful with alcohol if, if consumed at all. Um, so those are some of the lifestyle modifications that can be started during treatment and continue uh, after treatment. And then that information is shared with individuals, hometown physicians, primary care providers. Um, and then also part of that, that survivorship care plan is, you know, what tests, what screening, surveillance need to be done in the future to watch for, um, you know, a potential recurrence in other cancer or, you know, another chronic disease that may need to be managed. Well, well absolutely. I think that's that's right on. I, I think it's such a powerful uh, solution for survivorship. And you mentioned, uh, you know, surveillance for recurrence. You know, the risk factor for a survivor, a cancer survivor developing another cancer uh, type is, is significant, uh, something that happens to one in six cancer patients. So, to put that number in context, if there are what's called 18 million cancer survivors in the U.S. right now, then, you know, one sixth of that could be, you know, approximately three million secondary cancers in those patients. So a, a huge, huge number. And, uh, and and speak a little bit more about the role of, of integrative care in in helping, uh, you know, um, surveil and, and prevent a, a secondary uh, cancer occurrence. Yeah, so I, I think it's, um, you know, what uh, what's part of that care plan? So it's um, it's diet, it's it's activity, it's helping individuals find smoking cessation programs if they're still smoking. Um, you know, it may be um, working with our behavioral health providers here if somebody needs help with, you know, alcohol consumption. We start that during treatment and then help coordinate with individuals, providers at home, help them find resources at home to continue that 
lifestyle modification plan, if you will, into survivorship. And I think what's encouraging, um, if, if you know, one thing that's come out of the COVID pandemic is the, you know, the emergence of more telehealth and virtual options. And so I'm encouraged to, um, you know, we're, you know, we're finding resources, and and there will there will be more helping individuals. Um, have access to those types of options to help reinforce these lifestyle modifications in survivorship. Well, that might be a great a great place to conclude. I think you've you've done such an amazing job of showing us uh, what integrative care is, the evidence behind how powerful it is in 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 preventing and treating uh, and and allowing greater um, you know survivorship and and greater thrivership, as I like to call it in in cancer care, but paint for us, uh, you know, your vision, how will integrative care evolve and change over the next uh, five to 10 years? What can we, what can we expect and look forward to? Yeah, I think, um, so I mentioned earlier that the Society for Integrative Oncology, the American Society for Clinical Oncology are collaborating to develop more practice guidelines that incorporate these supportive services um, based on evidence and safety. And so, you know, I think we will see, you know, the more of these guidelines, the more uh, these support services, if you will, um, will be included into standard of care or clinical pathways so that more people have access to this during cancer treatment. And, you know, we're talking about cancer, but as you've mentioned, other chronic diseases, um, the emergence of telehealth and virtual care. So that will help with access to, I think individuals will be able to um, access these services in their home um, when they need it. We always say you want to provide the right service for the right patient at the right time. And that enables that um, yoga. I mean, all of these things can be done virtually. Um, so they don't have to be done you know, where somebody is having their care. And then ho hopefully um, we will have more information, you know, with personalized medicine, um, this, you know, genetics and genomics and the, the microbiome, you know, things in your in your gut um, that may influence um, treatment, side effects, um, have more of that available to actually personalize all of these um, services and modalities, if you will, that we've discussed. Um, because you know it's not a one-size-fits-all solution, and what works for me may not work for you. And hopefully, we will have more of that information at our fingertips five, ten years from now um, to be able to further personalize these options as well. Absolutely. Well, so much to look forward there. And 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 finally, uh, Carolyn, just you know, you're such, I know you uh, personally as a as a colleague, and uh, I know how how amazing you are with uh, with patients. Uh, what advice might you have for uh, you know any of our of our listeners uh, who, who may have heard this may have heard this episode or, or things that, that you'd want to leave them with? Yeah, I think it's um, it's important to um, to to consider um, having these options. You know, again, the more tools in your toolbox, uh, the better. So consider having these options available to you. Um, and one of the things we didn't discuss is um, it's really important. Uh, that some people will try and do some of these things on their own um, and making sure that if if you are trying to, because access can be challenging, challenging try to, trying to do some of this on your own, uh, that you are um, at least running it by your, your care team um, and individuals who know your cancer, know your treatment um, to make sure it has the potential to help and not harm and it's safe. 
I, I think access is improving um, and it will continue to improve. Um, don't be afraid to ask your care team if these things are available where you're being treated. You, they may be and you just haven't been oriented to them. Um, and if not, um, can they help you find um, these types of providers that have background in cancer and will communicate with the, your oncology care team to make sure you're safe. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for ending uh, with that advice. Thank you so much, Carolyn, for taking the time. I think this has been just a, a really a fantastic dive into, as I said before, a, a remarkably powerful area of, of fighting and treating cancer. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for taking the time for being here and uh, really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for having me.